And we're back with May Contains Violence. Look at Vampires, part three. Is it? Are we part three? Yeah, we are part three. Yeah, we're part three. <laughs> uh, with me again is Mallory. Hello. And uh, we are going to be delving into, getting a little bit closer to vampires that I grew up with and Mallory probably grew up with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as we kind of say goodbye, Bye to the stuffy old vampires. No. The vampires of yore. The vampires <laughs> of yore. Of your father's vampires. Yes. Even yep. grandpa's vampires. Grandpa's vampires. <laughs> Great grandpa's vampires. Yes. And then go into the more hip, cool, modern vampires. Yep. Yeah. Um, so uh, after Hammer Films sort of wraps up their run with Christopher Lee, um, mm-hmm. they produce, was it seven vampire films? Yes. Yeah, seven, seven of, of the uh, Dracula va- uh, films. Um, they, they also did a few one-shots, like you mentioned last time. Um, the go- Was it the Golden Vampires? Or... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the seven, the seven gold vampires. Seven vampires, yeah, which was its own thing. Yeah, and um, they also had one called Captain Kronos, Vampire Hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever seen that? No, but I've heard of it. Oh, you have to see it. It's is it ridiculous it's, or good? It's it's pretty fun. It's it's more of the it's more leans towards adventure than okay. than horror. Um, okay. It takes. It was released in 1974. Um, it follows the exploits of Captain Kronos, uh, mm-hmm. a man whose name has probably since been stolen by comic a comic book villain or two. Uh, but Captain yes. Kronos and his partner uh, Hieronymus Grost, who is his hunchback professor sidekick, are uh, put on the trail of a vampire who doesn't drain people's blood, but their very youth. Um, takes place in 16th century Europe Mm -hmm. and it was supposed to set up a new series of films um, kind of taken over after Christopher Lee's uh, Dracula films Mm -hmm. Uh, but because it received an R rating due to violence and sexuality it was not not successful Um, but but still a better film than Van Helsing Um, did I say that out loud? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well i think we've all seen van helsing so <laughs> it it came out around the same time as the league of extraordinary gentlemen so it was like literally putting that whole like you said in the last podcast putting the superhero like yeah. sheen on van helsing that just uh, i love hugh jackman but i don't love that movie oh my god i and i actually i know people who love that movie i i talked to two co-workers the other day and because I was listening to not, there's a there's a podcast called uh, How Did This Get Made? Oh, yeah. And it's a comedy podcast and they totally rip uh, really bad films apart. And yeah. so I was listening to their uh, Van Helsing thing and people were asking me what I was listening to. I told them and they said, oh, you know, I, I like Van Helsing. It was <laughs> just like, how? Why? <laughs> Well, and also they just brought in Kate Beckinsdale again for like a vampire role, and literally we've just seen like two oh, films yeah. with her in it, Underworld. Which I mean, I, I I'm I'm of the camp that I'm like, I can take or leave those movies because I'm like, I just oh. I don't like the style, but 
I, like some of my friends really love those movies and I'm like okay I can see from their perspective why they think it's a great movie and great story but again mm, I can I can leave it take it or leave it yeah Van, Van Helsing we, 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 we can get to that later I, I, mm-hmm. I, I won't mind dissecting that movie and why I can't stand it so much but yeah and it, it was just to me it was a bloated mess it was no, no I'm gonna agree with you on that one yeah I won't uh, disagree. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah. So uh, that was uh, Kronos. Uh, that came out in 1974. Mm-hmm. Um, so now um, we're going to do a little bit of a change up here because we are now leaving the heavily Dracula influence set of movies. era. Yeah, era. Um, we're going to now focus on stuff that we kind of fell in love with uh, about vampires and that really drew us instead of doing like a, you know, movie by movie timeline. I mean, we're, this is an opinion podcast. We're not historians. We're not vampire historians or horror historians. No, we're, exactly. We're kind of just talking about things we love. Um, so uh, yeah. that's and what I, I'd about. rather talk about the stuff that we're like, we grew up with for sure. Yes. Just, but also embrace the the influence that came before it that sort of yeah. brought it to you, where we are now. Yeah, you can't talk about vampires without talking about Dracula. It's just no. you 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 need that base to start off on. Oh yeah, and and to see where where again like how the its influence on the time that those films were made on the properties themselves versus what we have now where it's sort of like an embrace of of the vampire that loves to kill the vampire that's sort of snake or shark like that just enjoys yeah what they do and being alive forever yeah exactly but we're still going to keep a kind of loose timeline like we're going to go through eras still so we'll be you know going from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s maybe dipping mm-hmm. in you know if there, there's a crossover or whatnot but um yeah, we're, we're still going to keep somewhat of a uh, cr- uh, chronological order going. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's begin with probably the second most famous vampire novel in the 20th century. And that's 1976 Interview with the Vampire by Anne Rice. Yes. Now, I was too young to read this when it was published. I did not read it when it was in 76. I would have. I was in the single digits then. Um, <laughs> but I did read it during the start of, uh, I think it was high school. Yeah. So um, I have to jump forward about a decade and a half when I began to play um, a tabletop role-playing game called Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, I got into that in, in high school. This was sometime after I stopped playing Dungeons & Dragons, but I still really wanted to play um, a role-playing game yeah and uh so i picked up uh vampire because I, I heard some good things about it and as i'm reading the uh the book there's i see a lot of quotes from this book called interview with the vampire and or the vampire the stat and all that the the book would you know scatter sprinkle uh quotes all over it just to kind of keep this atmosphere uh going and, uh, and then I, I look at the back and it's like they have a list of movies and uh, books that uh, influence the, the making of this game. 
and right at the top was um, Anne Rice and uh, the Vampire Chronicles. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, I really, okay, I'm really digging this this game. Let's see where where their influences uh, came out. And um, I, I, so I grabbed what I thought was the first book, The Vampire of the Stat. Yeah. <laughs> get home and start reading and then realizing, oh, this isn't the first book. So I went back to the Coles bookstore and um, grabbed Interview with the Vampire and uh, started reading that. Mm-hmm. Uh, by that time, the first three books were out. And with the second one, oh, sorry, the fourth one just about to come out. Yeah. Uh, Interview with the Vampire, Vampire of the Stat, and The Queen of the Damned were all on the bookshelf. And uh, I got these to kind of gain a better understanding of the archetypes that they used in the game, uh, which were kind of divided up into vampire clans. Mm -hmm. And each clan was sort of like a different vampire archetype that we've seen in um, movies and and whatnot. when did you get into the books? I didn't get into the books until like my early 20s. Like, I mean, I sort of watched the movies first and sort of let that wash over me because, I mean, who who can say that they haven't seen Interview with a Vampire? Like, mm-hmm. it's it's everywhere. It's, it's, it's literally on TV probably once a month. I, I I like I mean I think the last time I saw it it was on on because I had like at my parents' house we have the movie channel so it was on the yeah. movie channels and I'm like I can't when it's on I can't not watch it <laughs> I can't and I love those movies like I love those movies like I loved that and Queen of the Damned and Queen of the Damned has one of the best movie soundtracks of all time <laughs> and I will and you can argue with me over that because I mean there's for its time though it was one of the best movie soundtracks because it really oh god you know corn um was the lead singer corn helped uh produce that soundtrack and he is the singing voice of lestat in that movie oh okay so yeah um but i love that movie and i i the and Aaliyah was in it and yeah. that was just after she had passed away so there was all of that buzz around her, her yeah. that posthumous role that she played and I mean I, I love that movie I love Queen of the Damned I don't care who disagrees with me <laughs> Purists would movie. disagree with you definitely I know Purists <laughs> would disagree with me I know it doesn't quite in in the way that it should but i just that mo- that whole movie i love it you know <laughs> I, I don't care you can you can hate me for it but i love that movie no i'm not <laughs> no 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 hate here um at that point i was i accepted that it was not going to be like the book because I didn't understand how they could even make that movie without doing the vampire of the stat next. Yeah. So I just thought, okay, well, it's going to have to be its own animal. Yeah. And, and it, and it was, um, I mean, the queen of them had so much mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it, a lot of it was, um, in the vampire of the stat, mm-hmm. um, carried on from there. 
So they really had to make it their own film. Um, and then you didn't have any of the returning cast from interview yeah, no. in it. So it's like, okay, well, you know, they're, they got the rights. They're, they're going to do it. It's, it's going to be, it's set in modern times and it's got to be its own thing. I, I accepted that. So I didn't mind it. And, and I liked interview with the vampire quite a bit. I know there's a lot of controversy casting Tom Cruise as a start, but I think he did an amazing I, job. I just have to say the line from that movie at the end. Oh, Louis. It's been 300 years and I'm sick of your whining. <laughs> I'm going to give you the choice I never had. It's just, I love that line. I, I don't know why I love that line so much, but I think it's just the way that Tom Cruise says it. Like, he's just like, he's like, I'm just so sick of your shit, Louie. Like, we spent so much time together. I showed you the best of life. We were, I was having fun. You were kind of having fun. Don't lie. Don't do the whole guilt. I'm shaming myself. Shit, you know. Yeah. Who cares about Claudia? <laughs> Who cares? You know. Yeah, Lestat was. Um, he was a bastard. <laughs> Let's face it. He he was a bastard. Um, but I don't shown more so through Louis's point of view than Lestat's yeah. point of view. And what I like about the two books uh, interview. And Lestat is that you do get these two point of views. Um, interview is with Louise yeah. and Lestat is with Lestat. And they even contradict each other yeah. in some of the events. And that was really interesting to me. Yeah, I would um, agree with that. And, I, you yeah. know, there's that whole, you know, he's Louis feels guilt over everything. And, and I he's just like that moral compass in the first book. He's just like he presents himself as a moral compass. Like he goes, I don't understand why we have to do this. Like, and I'm, yeah. I'm not like, I'm not as impressed with this eternal, like life as much as Lestat was. And I'm not a hunter and I'm, I'm, I'm like, I wanted, I wanted a family for myself and all that stuff. And it, it, it's just like that, that whole embrace of the, the feeling guilty like Louis is yeah. very guilty for everything, and 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 Lestat, from his perspective, is just going like, "Why can't you just enjoy this? Like I've given you this great <laughs> yeah. gift, and you're sort yeah. of rejecting they, me." Yeah, they can They are the contrast of each other. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I'm here. Here I am. This is I think my second year of high school, mm-hmm. and. Um, these these books really start to speak to me. I am but between the role playing game, mm-hmm. between the books, as well as um, listening to uh, Concrete Blonde's Bloodletting album, which um, was very heavily vampire um, influenced. Uh, Janet Napolitano uh, even confirmed she was the lead singer for Concrete Blonde. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the title track bloodletting is totally inspired by rice's uh rice's books um so i have these three elements coming together and and i'm kind of discovering vampires anew for the first time um this this, this unholy trinity of influences have a huge impact on my angsty teenage brain um and uh 
as I, I as I start the the role playing game, uh, suddenly we're getting girls come in and play in this game with us. Which let's <laughs> like, say for girls teenage... playing role playing. Yeah. <laughs> for like, I mean, I, I mean, I went through a similar uh, phase in my teens where it's like you game. You, you you play like and it's the same thing like anytime yeah. i've ever gone into a GameStop or you know uh, what you call it in eb games where mm-hmm. i will be looking at games and like some guy will nervously come over and engage me in conversation <laughs> and i'm like are we really still doing this like you don't have i will not bite you i will not i won't like if you want to come and talk to me about battlefield for sure come over and talk to me about battlefield but yeah like i i I went through that like you like this you like this thing i like but you're a girl and i'm like you're a girl (laughs) you're coming into our sanctuary exactly Uh, (laughs) it's like the comic book store right oh my gosh yeah um yeah but um yeah, so that was that was new. That uh, that was welcome, mm-hmm. but it turns out girls like vampires. Go figure. Uh, <laughs> what? No. What? Why? Why? Don't, why would they like that? Um, but I, um, yeah, I digress. Uh, let's jump into uh, interview with the vampire, yeah. which is which is the story of Louis. Louis de Pont du Lac. You have to. De Pont du Lac. Yeah. Um, his life as a mortal and uh, live in New Orleans up until he dies mm-hmm. and is taken, forcefully taken um, as uh, uh, against, well, not against as well. Lestat does give him uh, a choice, if I recall. Yes, he does. And not the first time he bites him, no. <laughs> but when he finally um, sires him. Um and it follows uh, Louis, uh, Louis' uh, rebirth as a vampire, mm-hmm. uh, think, thanks to uh, Lestat's uh, Lestat de Lioncourt. Yes. And uh, it sets up as Louis recounting his unlife to a interview. Yeah, the boy. They don't refer to him as yeah. the interviewer, but yeah, the, he is the boy. The boy, yeah. Um, and in the film, it was played by Christian Slater. It was originally supposed to be played by uh, River <laughs> Phoenix, but unfortunately, he passed before yeah. they could uh, finish filming. And Christian Slater was his friend, so he basically volunteered, stepped forward to take over the role. But it would have been a much in, like an interesting choice to have River Phoenix if you've seen some mm-hmm. of his work. But yeah, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, Louis is uh, recounting his struggles to accept what he mm-hmm. is, um, how he hangs on to his fleeting humanity with every fiber of his being. Yeah. Um, Louis basically becomes the template of the self-loathing vampire. He does. He certainly does. Yeah. And and you feel that guilt through the pages, like you're just like, oh, okay, like yeah. How how more guilty can you feel about yourself? and mm-hmm. and embracing that like that need to feed you know and, and also wanting to have a family but never being able to have a family and then the whole claudia arc of the yeah. book yeah uh, i mean really up until then very few vampires showed remorse for their victims mm-hmm. uh they usually uh reveled in their immortality and their superior uh, superiority over humanity mm-hmm. um 
but it wasn't until interview that I can think of anyways there might there might have been some other novels out there that delved into it but it was interview that um, really brought the conflict yeah. of taking another's life in order to sustain your own yeah I mean I'm sure that's been brought up in different ways but not in the vampire way not in and not in the, the guilt of I have to eat you to live basically yeah what did you think of uh, Louis as a character? Uh, like, I, I can't, like, reading the pages, I can't help but picture Brad Pitt, unfortunately, uh, in the movie. <sighs> yeah, like, yeah. unfortunately, because I watched the movies first. And, sure. And sort of that idea in my head of what uh, Louis sort of looks like. And then I try to embrace Stuart Townsend instead of Tom Cruise as Lestat, just yes. in terms of <laughs> how youthful and pretty Lestat is mm-hmm. like he's 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 so like I think they describe him as being so pretty to look at like you just can't help but stare at him because he's just yeah. so handsome and I try yeah. to like I try to picture like Tom Cruise like sort of had fun with that character but I can't picture him in those pages as much as I I can with Stuart Townsend and sort of that swagger right. Stuart Townsend sort of brought to the character in Queen of the Damned yeah and and like um Lestat was in the in the book, he was tall. Yeah. <laughs> he was over six feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. He's Tom Cruise is not. No. <laughs> I would like to sort of liken um Lestat to uh Eric Northman from True Blood, like Alexander oh, Skarsgard's yeah, yeah. character. That who is who I liken right. him to. Like he's just sort of like that you can't take your eyes off him sort of yeah he's just so handsome so yeah you just can't he's just he's (laughs) such a charmer but louis i like i just reading the pages like you just sort of like you you feel his guilt you feel his his pain and having to struggle with that eternal life you know like what what can i make of this life is this a life worth living? I like. I, I'm trying to tell people my story so that they don't think it is as glamorous as it is. But you know, you you right. you introduce Lestat, and Lestat brings in the glamour for that life. Yeah, exactly. So Lestat uh, enters in, and like I said, he is a direct contrast to um, Louis mm-hmm. uh, Lestat, who absolutely revels in his being mm-hmm. his role as predator that humanity is food and entertainment for him yeah they're like little pawns um, on a chessboard for him to play with yeah and knock over where we're exactly we're we're less than pets to him um he's above humanity as we are above insects yeah exactly um, very much so i would i would agree with that uh take on the stat and also just we're we're sort of playthings. We're toys. Like we're we're you know we're something that can be discarded just as easily as we were picked up for the stuff. Exactly. I mean, the only reason uh, he chose Louis was for his 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 estate. Mm-hmm. Um, he at, at, at this point, on Louis's point of view, anyways. Um, the stat is much less. Um, Oh, I have to choose my uh, my fledgling closely mm-hmm. because you know, there's very few vampires in the world, and it's like 
it's this elite club. Yeah. <laughs> it's this elite. Uh, Lestat was much less like that. Yeah. He was he was always the rebel in in the vampire society. He was. And, and again, it's it's he's more of a vagabond than anything. He's sort of mm-hmm. he he's roguish is the best way yeah. to describe him. Yeah. Um so Lestat teaches Louis um after he uh, gives him the, what's called the dark gift mm-hmm. uh, and writes, coins the, the term. And um, that is uh, draining Louis over a number of hours or a day of almost all of his blood and then feeding him his own. Um, and as he feeds him his own blood, as, as Lestat feeds Louis his blood, uh, their their hearts begin and their pulse begins to beat in rhythm with each other, and already you're starting to get um, a highly erotic feel uh, to the making of a vampire, mm-hmm. and it's it, it's less it's less old school charm or even predator than um, almost yeah this this this. Well, between the, they, they would say homoeroticism, but vampires are, I think, are, 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 are they're above gender, really. I, they're very polyamorous. They don't really care yeah. about the, the package, more so the the uh, personality inside. Yeah, that's that's exactly. And I, I think I think she conveys that, but I think a lot of people misconstrue that. And well, when interview came out, it it was seen as oh, it's just a cheap ploy to get you know, the uh, homoerotic uh, um, yeah. semblance of, and, and a lot of inner, I, I was reading some of these old reviews mm-hmm. and it's like, wow, they were, not a lot of them were kind to, to interview. No, they weren't. And, and even when the movie came out, I know that it was, it wasn't as embraced as it is now. It definitely has a cult following now, but mm-hmm. at the time that it was released, there was, I think they tried to downplay it a little bit, but when they definitely introduced uh, um, Antonio Banderas's character and mm-hmm. and who he was and, and sort of like the relationship between him and Louis, and like you sort of saw a little bit like of that homoeroticism, yeah. But they yeah. really tried to downplay it in the movie as much as they could, but. Yeah, and and I mean that was probably as as differently as Tom Cruise was cast in, in probably appearance to Lestat. Mm-hmm. Um, the the casting of Armand was even more so because or, Armand is young in in the book. Like he's very, he was taken when he was he was young. I think he was still in his teens, yeah. uh, if I remember right. Yeah. Um, so and then you have Antonio Banderas who's not in his teens at all um no so i wonder you know that was more of a studio influence than well a, i uh, think yeah and also antonio banderas was kind of having his day at that point with like once upon a time and and a few other movies that came out around that time with him desperado, desperado. oh desperado <laughs> 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 but yeah i mean antonio banderas was like sort of the it boy at that point, they had the it boys in in those roles because you know, yeah. got to bring the ladies yeah. to the movies. Yeah, yeah, and oh, they they came out in droves to see that movie from from what I hear. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, 
but um, uh, where was it? Oh yeah, so yeah, the start um, is uh, yeah trains Louis, but just just enough to be subservient to him. Yeah, he needs a companion. He, he, That's what he's looking yeah. for ultimately as a companion. Yeah, yeah. He he doesn't tell Louis of others of his kind. He he keeps him in the dark a lot, mm-hmm. and and Louis wants to know more what else is out there. Yeah, the start just no, you're you're mine, and you're gonna be happy with me, and we'll we'll have fun together, being uh, being being vampires mm-hmm. and, and stuff. And but Louis wants more. Louis is still too close to his humanity, and he's a much different person than Lestat ever was. Yeah. And um, Lestat seems almost cruel um, in 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 this first novel. Well, he and, does. Um, he does come across as being heartless, and you know he. But at the same time, too, like you you follow up with the follow up book, and it's sort of a different. Like it's he's yeah. still the same guy, but a different, totally t- different take on the events of interview mm. yeah yeah interview is a just a small fraction of Lestat's story yeah. who is a very old vampire he's lived uh, for centuries yeah um but um yeah but he he delights in seeing louis uh struggle and is fascinated in um uh, louis rejection of his new unlife and th- it, this all amuses him to to know it does. at least for the first for the, for the first few watt, for the first you know, uh, first century or so. Yeah, first century or so. He's he enjoys toying with with Louis quite a bit, and that yeah. like you have to embrace it. But I won't. But you have to. But I won't. I just won't. You know. <laughs> and, and, and they don't play that up in the movies as much. Like I mean, there's there is obviously that guilt, but uh, not to the level that the books portray the guilt the guilt in that playing that toying that um Lestat is is doing from behind the scenes did you um which Lestat do you prefer the movie or the book um I'm gonna say the book because I mean the movies just don't don't go as much into it as as the books do like I mean the books are a much wider universe than what the movie and then we only got two movies too so it's not like yeah. they could explore the character and yeah. uh, damn you hollywood for not for not uh taking Anne rice's material and really giving it the special treatment it deserved you know yeah yeah well we just got a bunch of sexy vampires that's all we got out of these. yeah it's just a bunch of really sexy vampires <laughs> that we couldn't take our eyes off of but not a lot yeah. of much else is what I'm going to say. But I still love the movies. I still find them entertaining. Right. Yeah. Well, that might change. I mean, there was that they did that deal with AMC. Yes. And, um, uh, it was announced in May that they were going to do the mm-hmm. series, which they they've done. Like, I mean, I'll give it to AMC. They're really they're really good at uh, like the serialized uh, the serialized uh, stuff. And I mean, yeah. Uh, Walking Dead, I haven't followed up with lately, but I mean, in terms of just how they embrace those properties, um, they've done really well. Nosferatu's been done really well. There's a little bit of a departure, but it's done quite well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'll, 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 like, I'm I'm excited to see what they do with it. Like, Preacher was also really well done, so I'll, I'll take that too. Mm-hmm. But um, 
yeah, I'm I'm hoping good things. I mean, they have the rights to all of the Vampire Chronicles mm-hmm. as well as the as well as the Mayfair Witches. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they have the rights to the, both those properties, and because Mayfair and Chronicles cross over with each yeah. other, um, it looks like they're looking to build quite their own little franchise here. Yeah, um, fingers crossed. They do they do the properties right yeah. because. We we've only got two movies out of it, and yeah. again, not anything close to the books as they could have been. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, Interview of the Vampire that could probably be a three a three to four season uh, book, but the stats that could go on for like seven years. They'd have to swap <laughs> There's actors, so much material. They'd have to start with like yeah. an eighteen year old. And basically make him look a little bit older than like even yeah. that. and like I mean yeah okay technology is way better than it was like mm-hmm. ages ago like I mean they were able to like uh, basically uh, make Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci and a bunch of other guys look really young in yeah. in the Irishman so they could probably do the same with the series like with the Vampire Chronicles yeah. so I, I'm excited to see what they do because they haven't they yeah. haven't really let me down yet in terms of uh, of uh, properties that they've developed. Yeah, we can hope for the best there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the final member of this uh, family comes when Louis finds a orphan girl in the French Quarter, mm-hmm. and both her parents died of the plague, and. Uh, Louis uh, feeds on feeds on her, uh, much to his own disgust, and leaves her to pass. He's he thinks he's given her mercy, but he's also quenching his hunger. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the stat shows up <laughs> with her, and she has been made into a vampire. Mm-hmm. And the stat did it because at this point, like Louis is just moping around yeah, he's he's getting ready to leave that that's basically what it yeah. is. it's it's that old age-old metaphor of uh have a child to save the, the marriage basically yeah yeah with these exactly. two and and that's exactly what Lestat's doing with claudia but it obviously uh claudia clings more to louis than she does like she she has that killer instinct like Lestat, but she definitely embraces louis a lot more and he yeah. and Louis is very affectionate with her, as if she was his own child, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, she is in the book. She's only five years yeah. old. Um, and in the movie, I think they she was aged up a bit. They, uh, I think she was about eleven. I'm gonna say eight or like ages eight to eleven. Like that was the the marker for her with the uh, Kristen. Uh, Dunst. Kristen Dunst. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, now we come to the uh, we come to the rather questionable motive of Lestat. He, who, who doesn't think ahead really. Because no. <laughs> now he has, he's made this little vampire girl and unfortunately she doesn't she she stays a little girl in body but not in mind no, she age she, she matures yeah yeah and um 
this is not something I, I don't think Lestat knew happened. Um, but he's yeah, he's basically trapped this woman in this in this little girl body. Yeah, and I mean, and she herself realizes like the doom of her 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 eternal youth at this point she can never she can never attain an adult body and and she sort of enjoys looking at the female form but again yeah. she she knows she's doomed to look like a child forever yeah yeah she um she's envious of women mm-hmm um, I think she even takes it and, out a little bit too, a little harshly on some of the women they bring home. Like she really has, oh, yeah, has fun with it too. Like she's very vicious. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she, she's a killer, but I mean, what else can she do? I mean, she, that's basically her, her outlet. She, she, she's not a little girl. She doesn't want to dress up and play with dollies anymore, but she can't, do things that women can do um she she you know it's she's just trapped and frustrated she can't be sexualized she can't be anything because i mean again that would be very wrong like and i mean morality plays a heavy role in it too like she she's basically at this point like by the time she she reaches that maturity level is basically no longer seeing louis as a father figure but more so a companion for herself but he'll never see her as more than a child which is uh, the struggle yeah yeah exactly um and so this 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 little family uh continues on and this rather uh uh broken family and it's much to Lestat's undoing Mm -hmm. um because he won't tell them how to create i can't if if louis knows how to make another vampire at this point um i don't i don't believe he does i don't believe don't he does i don't i think that was the secret that lestat kept from from uh, both of them because he was like yeah no uh you are indebted to me basically like you will forever be beholden to me and i will not teach you the ways yeah yeah um but uh, so yeah, the I'm, I'm not, not going to go into every aspect uh, of the yeah, war, no. But uh, but Louis and Claudia basically breaks away from the start in a rather violent manner, yep. and um, try to go out there and try to discover more of their kind. They end up in uh, Paris and meet more of their kind, mm-hmm. much, and that brings about the final fate of uh, Claudia. Um, and Louis found out there is a set of rules uh, to go by. Um, so this was the first book of the Vampire Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it did a good job of establishing this new set of um, basically rules. new set of vampires. Yeah, yeah, new set of vampires, new set of rules. They take a lot of what we know about vampires and either discard it. Um, in fact, it's it's done right near the beginning when Louis is talking to the, uh, the interviewer mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, he's asking, no, oh, do, do stakes work on you? Like, no, stakes don't work on us. Uh, we have no problem going over running water. Um, lights. We prefer darkness, but light doesn't bother us. Sun can 
hurt them. Yes, and they and can eventually destroy them. Yeah. But um, a lot of a lot of these, you know, garlic. It's you know not a thing. Yeah, no, either. exactly. Garlic. Like I don't think they even like the whole reflection thing is even a thing either because I believe no, it's they not. can like no, you re- see like even in the movie they sort of like. Like you can see Louis looking at him, his own reflection in the window. Yeah, basically. No, it, it's yeah, it's totally not a thing. They he dismisses it. They have super strength. They have uh, preternatural speed. Yes. Um, they can see in the dark. Mm-hmm. They uh, are be- all beautiful. Yeah, they're all the <laughs> because... most gorgeous creatures you ever see because they have to. Yeah. They have to lure you in. Like they can't be unattractive. Well, and they're attracted to beauty. Yeah, vampires are. That that's what he said. They they are attracted to beautiful things. That's why they have art and and. Uh, I would say they're more they bourgeois. Art, like they're more bourgeois mm-hmm. vampires. Like they're attracted to pretty things. Right. They love pretty things. They're not uneducated. You know, there's mm. there's a like I mean, they, yeah. they're very well educated people, and they learn quickly and, and can retain it. Yeah, exactly, and. And I, I think I enjoyed this representation because, I mean, you, you can't spend years upon, like, centuries upon centuries on Earth and not pick up a thing or two or be very observant or very aware, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, the, like, it would be so stupid to have, like, all that time and not a wealth of knowledge and an appreciation you yeah. know and i think that's the thing it's not so like they like they they appreciate pretty things but you know it's it's a deeper appreciation um yeah with the vampires in Anne rice's novels um a few things she added were um that their 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 skin starts to smooth mm-hmm. and as as time goes on it starts to harden yeah. so they become more difficult to harm. Yeah. Um, and the, the truly ancient ones can even, you know, daylight doesn't even affect them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, or or uh, most of the weaknesses uh, that they have, just they can basically outgrow it the, the older they get. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was interesting. Blood, of course, they need to survive. Blood is the only thing they can ingest. Mm-hmm. Any type of food, they would violently you know expel it um they can drink water i read but um it's they get no sustenance from it but it won't harm them if they if they drink it yeah uh blood blood is everything they can smell like a drop of blood from a mile away Mm -hmm. uh they have like super hearing too they're they're basically the perfect predator yeah yeah um so yeah, that was some of the things that uh, she added, and the, and the truly ancient ones uh, develop even further abilities, yeah. like telepathy and telekinesis and all that. They become the older they get, they become like almost godlike. Yeah, and and that, that's definitely embraced in Queen of the Dam, the the godlike yeah. likeness of Akasha. And yeah. I I like that they it was just Akasha that they focused on and. And she's so much more than just like a godlike figure. She's, you know, and, and she's, I don't know. I just, I loved Akasha. Like, I just loved the, the, the story of Akasha more so. Yeah. And I mean, and, and she's, 
she's much more predatory than any vampire. Yeah. Right. You know? uh, but I mean, they definitely don't touch on that in, in the movie. Like, we barely got anything yeah. of the Akasha Saga, which is much more deeper in the Queen of the Damned novel, and we get much more yeah. of a story. But and and Lestat, yeah, she's set up in Lestat. Yeah, she's set up in Lestat, the vampire yeah. Lestat, and and I think with the, what they do with the second novel, where they they sort of introduce all of these these um like all of these backstory the backstory of Lestat, but also all these other characters in there that sort of come up mm-hmm. in Interview and in Queen of the Damned, um, you know, I I just. I, like I just loved the vampire Lestat for the novel, and it like I think they sort of carried it into the movie Queen of the Damned. It was sort of like a cross between Queen of the Damned and the vampire Lestat. Oh yeah, I mean, there's um, yeah a lot of characters introduced from uh, Lestat carry on into the Queen of the Damned because the the Queen is such a uh, is such a threat to their community mm-hmm. and certainly certainly to a threat to a lot of the vampires who were a lot of the newer vampires mm-hmm. like um she basically sees a lot of these new vampires as just like unpure get yeah from her from her original uh bloodline yeah and uh, like she just she's just like making them implode or (laughs) go up in flames yeah like yeah yeah. and and almost the the idea of like vampires are statues basically they're literally just made of porcelain and glass like that's another thing that they sort of introduce in these novels is that they're almost porcelain more marble yeah like like stone marble yeah yeah Yeah, that was really interesting yeah and as as time goes on that's what they become yeah yeah they they yeah. and, I mean, they become encased in stone basically like just marbleized stone. Their mind is so advanced that they it, it could expand without them even moving. Yeah. I mean they 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 can see stuff. They can visit the the world. They don't have to move anywhere. They're just yeah. she's just so powerful and so yeah advanced. Yeah, uh, evolved. Yeah, exactly. Know? and i don't know i just i i I liked the books more so like i mean just the the whole world that she created and the characters she's she's developed are just the and and it's not one note you know i mean she it could have easily have been a one note type of thing like but even with where she carries on in the vampire lestat you see a whole different side of lestat than just this predatory character that enjoys his oh, yeah. eternal life. You know, you see much more that it was like the choice that he made to become a vampire and like the motivations for it. Cause he was just bored. Basically he was just bored. You know, he was, a, he was an, imp- like he was a poor noble. Like he was of the nobility, but yeah. you know, he knew he like, if he continued along the life that he was living, he was just not going to get much enjoyment out of it. So he made that choice. Yeah. Yep. Um, incredible world building. Uh, Lestat is at this point, you know, on, on, on the level, well, maybe not at this point, but now he certainly is almost on the level of Dracula in, 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 in literary uh, terms. Yeah. Um, 
I, uh, when, when, when I think of how they look, I, it's, it's not the movies I think yeah. of. There was actually a comic book adaptation of um, Interview and, and Lestat as well. And it was done by a now defunct comic company called Innovation. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was like almost, almost painted um, artwork. Yeah. And just gorgeous. And uh, so that's, that's, in my mind, that's how they look like. Yeah. And it was more, more true to Anne vision. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, that, that was, uh, that was a revelation for me for, for vampires. Yeah. Um, it was such a, such a departure from, the, the stuff that I had been familiar with yeah uh, as a kid and um, where they were scary like uh, I mean we like we grew up yeah. with like truly scary vampires yeah. like just truly like they weren't they weren't uh, they weren't pretty to look at they were truly terrifying to to uh, behold on screen yes yeah so our yeah the vampires that we got familiar with in the 80s um with uh more so more movies started to come Mm -hmm. out um we were having we we weren't i think we're we're still getting dracula stuff but it was more regulated to tv yeah um dark shadows was make trying to make a comeback it didn't last very long Uh, but that was still very much steeped in the old style dracula um, and it wasn't until the early 80s that we got a new vampire film. If you want to take the lead on that with uh, Bowie's. Uh, yeah, um, The Hunger, which came out in 1983 with David Bowie, Catherine Deneuve, and uh, Susan Sarandon. And uh, it, it's from a novel. Like, it's based off of a novel. Again, um, I, it was released in 1981 by Whitley Stryber and then okay. they made it into a movie and Dick Smith who did The Exorcist was the makeup artist on this movie so you sort of see that that crossover in terms of just like that that makeup like that you see in The Exorcist like that like that stark contrast okay. that uh, comes across in this movie and I mean David Bowie himself was just so, I mean, he was so easy on the eyes as far as I'm concerned. Um, He always was. He just has that weird just look about him. And I'm not even talking about the Ziggy Stardust days. I'm just talking about the David Bowie that I came to know and sort of love um, from Mm -hmm. things like Labyrinth and, and his music, his later music that sort of took on a, techno vibe um but uh, i definitely love love this movie and i recommend highly recommend people watch it have you seen it oh i don't think i've seen the whole thing no i mean it just has a lot of really well done imagery and like just like the back and forth throughout time sort of thread that they do in the movie where it's like flashbacks to like ancient egypt and and then to to current day, and um, and the vampire, her name's Miriam, and she's sort of she's been around since ancient Egypt, and she uh, she chooses her companions over time, and she just like she 
she offers them eternal life and to be her lover and they take it. And um, her current lover is sort of experiencing um, the, what they call like the eternal, uh, eternal um, youth problem. And uh, he sort of, um, he's like, it's 200 years now into their love story, basically. And he starts experiencing insomnia and he starts to age. And um, he sort of realizes that her promise is sort of empty. And like, he, like, he's like, he, like, he's like, if he doesn't keep killing and, and eating people, he, he'll have eternal life, but not eternal youth basically oh okay. and sort of like he's struggling with that now like he realizes like oh snap like like this is not what i signed up for basically and um so he himself it's it's not him it's not her that's looking for like starting out with the search but he seeks out this uh this scientist who specializes in rapid aging of primates so it's um um david bowie and susan sarandon they're a couple in the movie and um like john is the character the catherine Deneuve miriam's lover is basically like he's he's rapidly aging at this point and he's freaking out and he doesn't Mm -hmm. and it's sort of like making him like nuts basically and like they're trying to figure out how to help him which it's not quite um it's not they're not able to help him basically um so then um they uh basically introduced Catherine Nunu's character to Susan Sarandon and there's sort of like this uh eroticism between them like they sort of introduced like the lesbian vampire trope that sort of became slightly popular in the 80s where it was like oh let's like toy with this idea of it being sexy that two girls will be attracted Mm -hmm. to each other and make out and it's not necessarily a a story driving thing more so that it's like just you know it it, titillation titillation basically and um so it's just it's um they start having this whole like dance around each other basically the whole movie is about Miriam basically luring Sarah into becoming her next uh her next lover and that's a a little bit of a callback to the the novella Carmilla I mentioned earlier um I found out the adaptation that was uh filmed about that novel it was called blood and roses mm-hmm. and um although they they upped the, the the century that it was in but um it had a little bit more mysticism uh to it than that but yeah it it, it, it introduced um uh a female vampire falling in in love with uh with a mortal woman as well yeah and i mean the ending is basically like um susan sarandon's character becomes a vampire and traps Miriam in a coffin and it's a whole thing. Like oh, okay. it, that's the ending. No. I'm surprised I haven't seen that. I've always heard about it and I think I saw it on the sh- 
video show. But yeah. I never picked them. Yeah, I de- they definitely played up the whole, like, lesbian vampire trope. Like, the whole, you know, like, they it's that whole, like, it's titillation, not necessarily a driving, like, plot point, basically. Well, as... As a teenage boy, I would have been very interested. <laughs> I know. And I mean, you, like, I mean, I sort of came to this movie in my 20s. So, like, I was, I was, like, I love David Bowie and I love Susan Sarandon. And I was sort of like, like, it was on the Space Channel when they were doing their late night horror movies on Friday nights. So I ended up, like, right. it was like one of those 2 a.m. watching things. So it's like you're kind of tired but you're still awake so your mind is able to sort of take in these images basically and like and you're sort of like out of it <laughs> basically and a, a lot of movies that have horror movies that have sort of made an impact on me i've sort of watched it too in the morning um yeah and, and the visuals and and how they sort of just like how they stay with me but um yeah uh, the hunger is definitely a good watch like it's not it's okay. not schlocky. Like, I'll give you that. It's really okay. dark. It's more mm-hmm. so dark. They, like, it's... And Catherine Deneuve sort of, like, really enjoys the dance in this movie. Right. Like, the, Miriam really enjoys the dance. And Su- Susan Sarandon sort of, uh, to herself, enjoys that dance, too. And then you have David Bowie. And he's he's definitely not just a side character, but, like, they... Like, he's just a pretty thing. Like, they put him in there. <laughs> you know? But, uh, right. and I mean, it, it sort of keeps in tone with the movies that we see in the 80s, for sure. Um, you know, with the, with the Lost Boys. And, like, the, the 80s was such a stylized time for film. Like, especially right. for horror. So, I mean, it sort of is in on point for the era that these movies are based in. So. Yeah. With with the eighties, we had um, big advances in makeup and effects. Mm -hmm. Um, They could do stuff with um, puppetry and robotics and stuff. And um, stop motion. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, stop motion was around, has been there for a while, but I mean, they really used it to, it's full advantage, I find, in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, uh, you mentioned Lost Boys. Yes. Oh. Cry, little All right. sister. Oh, I was just looking up the lyrics for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who great, doesn't love that great song? Soundtrack. Yeah, that soundtrack was so good. And, I mean, yep. we have Jason Patrick, Jamie Gertz, the two Corys. Uh, uh-huh. Corey named Corey Feldman. Yes. And it's uh, such a great and Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland, of who course. doesn't love David? Like David is such, uh, everyone loves David. David is such a like he's such a fearsome guy. Like he's not just your like bad vampire guy. He's he like he enjoys it. And Kiefer Sutherland, like what a great pick. Like he plays it to the T. Like he um, played like a good string of bad guys in the 80s like bad guys or roguish guys in the 80s and i yeah. love him for it you know yeah i mean he basically took his character from standby yeah and plopped him in, into a biker gang <laughs> yeah he ran with it he definitely ran with it and 
and he's such a good actor and he should be in more stuff as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Him and his daddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lost Boys came out in 1987. Uh, the name was taken uh, from the, the group of boys in uh, Peter Pan. Yeah. Uh, a story um, about, um, well, everyone knows who Peter Pan is, but the Lost Boys would never grow up. Yep. Yeah. And uh, what better um, analogy than to use vampires as lost boys who can never get old? They can never get old, and they also have fun. Yeah. They they they're very yeah. They have like I mean I love this movie. Like I mean it's such <laughs> a good movie, and I like I, it was on it was on a few months back, and I was like I have to watch this. Like this is such a good movie and I can't turn away from that. Yeah. You know, you, you can't turn away from the soundtrack or the visuals and it's campy, but it's not. And I mean, who doesn't love like just the, the fight scenes in that movie too. So good. Mm -hmm. And, and the frog brothers and, and their, and their explanation (laughs) of vampires (laughs) to Corey Haim. Yeah, yeah who, well, who I, slowly I, realizes his brother is becoming a vampire. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to back up a bit here. Yeah. Um, so it was directed by Joel Schumacher. Yes. And we were just off uh, off mic talking about uh, Joel Schumacher and his work in the Batman franchise. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, here, his, his, his eye for uh, tongue-in-cheek um it it lends to it's uh the fun the of this, subject uh, matter of this film yeah it it, it could have so. it really could have been dark and heavy but i think with joel schumacher's hand there's just like a really good juxtaposition between heavy and light in this you know right. there's there's that campy aspect that we've come to know in a lot of schumacher films but it definitely lends to this this subject matter mm-hmm. you know yeah um the film involves a family of three um mother lucy older son michael Mm -hmm. and younger brother sam moving to santa carla california uh to live with lucy's dad Mm -hmm. who's just known grandpa here yeah Uh, and it seems everyone in the damn family falls in either with vampires or self-proclaimed vampire hunters. Yes. <laughs> uh, you got Michael who falls for a girl named Star yeah. who seems to be the girlfriend of the leader of a biker gang named David who they are all vampires, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam becomes friends with two brothers, Edgar and Alan, the Frog the Brothers, frog as brothers, you mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> who warn him that Santa Carla is crawling with bloodsuckers. They, know they work it. at a comic <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um they work at a comic book store and at and and they give Sam uh, a bunch of comic books to read and he says, "Oh no, I'm not really into into horror comics." And he's like think of this more of a survival guy. <laughs> and so they give him like Blade and other vampire and Tomb of Dracula to read. Yeah. Um so that's fun. Most of the comedy comes from the younger cast. It definitely Sam does. And, uh, and I mean, yeah. the like, uh, like sadly, like you know, the two Corys, and, and you know, Corey Haim, you know, is no longer with us. But I like yeah. he was he he was a force to be reckoned with in that movie. Yeah. Like I mean, he just 
he's he's such a good actor. He was such a good actor, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and and I mean he uh, just uh, like how Michael and Sam play off of each other, and how he plays off yeah, of you, Frog you, Brothers, you, and how he plays off of the mom. He like he like he couldn't yeah. take his your eyes off of him in this movie. He did. He didn't look like his brother, but they acted very much like brothers. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so you, you, you got that, you got that sense of family and the, um, the actress who played uh, Lucy, uh, oh, I forget her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was wonderful as well. She was, uh, you know, doing, doing the best for her boys, uh, but she was funny. And you can tell that, you know, she's, she's, she's a woman who's been through a lot. I think, th- I think the story was they were recently divorced. Yeah. That plays yeah. a lot in the eighties too. There's a lot of like broken families in eighties yeah. films. Like it, it definitely was the the breakdown of the the nuclear family that we'd come to know in mm-hmm. in much earlier films and especially in horror. You know, uh, Diane Weiss. Diane was, Weiss, uh, yeah. Yeah, Weiss. Uh, yeah, Lucy Emerson. Yes, yeah. uh, and again such a great cast like you just look at all the, mm-hmm. the entire cast of that movie and you know edward herman and and you know bernard hughes we had a future um uh, we had future bill here uh alex winter yes yep yep and, and you know i always get him he he looks so much like he could be, um, what's his name's brother? Like, oh God, I'm having a moment here. I, I watched I watched Carlito's Way just the other day, and what's his name? Oh, okay. What's his name? Help me. Big name. Oh, what the lead, the lead of Carlito's not Way? Not the lead. No, no, not Al okay. Pacino. The, <laughs> not Pacino. Um, what's his name? Oh, actor. Um. Oh, actor, what's it's, it's in, been too long since I've seen was a married to, Sorry. Married to Madonna. He was married to Madonna for a period of time. What's his name? Help me here. Who was who wasn't married to Madonna? <laughs> <laughs> um, he was married to Madonna. Yeah, like when they were very young. Like this is like twenties. Like this is early eighties. Madonna. The only one I know who was married to Madonna is was the that director. Um, who did uh, like Sean Penn? Sean Penn. He oh, looks, Sean Penn. Alex Winter looks like that. He could be one of the Penn brothers. Like that's like it's the eyes. Eh? It's yeah. the eyes. I, I don't know why, but for the longest time, I thought a Penn brother was in in Lost Boys, <laughs> and I'm like, no, it was Bill. Duh. <laughs> um. So uh, yeah. So we have this film and. Um, it's or well, Lucy also falls with with in with a vampire. She falls with her, uh, or she starts dating her boss at the video store, mm-hmm. and who turns out to be the the head vampire yeah. of the of Santa Carla. So this whole family is destined to run into vampires. It seems. Yeah. Um, and the story focuses on Michael and how uh, David and the gang are going to recruit him into. Uh, into their family yeah and um and you find out later it's at the behest of max who is the uh the head vampire yeah and there's a total flip on how he like how michael becomes a vampire too because he it's not so much of a biting thing 
as much as it's yeah, taking it's, in blood. That's right. Yeah, ingesting the blood of them. But um, he only is like a half vampire at first. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he uh, is only half vampire. He's slowly he showing to... sensitivity to sunlight and all that stuff. Yeah, but it's basically chalked up to like, oh, did you have fun partying last night, Michael? <laughs> you know. Yeah, he thinks he just did. Uh, he thinks he just did drugs and 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 that, and he doesn't remember anything. Yeah. Um, but no, they yeah they make him drink his blood and how does he become a full vampire he has to drink it again i think or yeah something else yeah it's, it's yeah. basically yeah he has to drink it again so yeah a lot a lot of the comedy is um now sam uh seeing the signs that his older brother it might be a vampire uh he's starting to fade from mirrors like he's like appears translucent in mirrors uh, he starts to float when he <laughs> he goes yeah. asleep and gets stuck on the ceiling. Yeah, um, <laughs> and that's the comic aspect, uh, comical ex- aspect of that movie. Like, yeah, as he's developing his supernatural powers, he's like, "Oh my god, what's wrong with me?" Ah, yeah. like Spider-Man yeah. almost. Like, I'm shooting yeah, yeah. web out of my hands. What is yeah. this? <laughs> yeah. Um, but in the meantime, Michael also wants to save Star from David, and Star wants to save this little kid uh, named Laddie, yeah. um, who she's kind of taken a sisterly relationship with. Yeah, she's taken a shine and, to her for sure. Yeah, yeah, and um, so so now you have the struggle between David and the gang, and Michael, and then. Then the third parties are the Frog Brothers and Sam. Sam wants to save his brother. Mm-hmm. The Frog Brothers want to kill vampires, even though they've never done it before. They they talk they talk more than they walk. Yeah, <laughs> they definitely talk up a big game. For sure. Yeah, and then you yeah. find out like Sam's like, "Have you ever even killed a vampire?" And they're like, <laughs> "Uh, well, uh, figuratively speaking." <laughs> We've killed lots of vampires, <laughs> you know, and yeah. it, it's such a good, like, honestly, like, it's such a memorable vampire movie. Like, it's just, and the soundtrack, like, you, you, great soundtrack. Great it's really well paced. It is. Um, the characters are all memorable. It, uh, some great lines in there. Well, I can um, say the one that Grandpa says at the end of the movie, which is <laughs> one thing about living in Santa Carla, I could never stomach. All the damn vampires. Damn vampires. And you're like, <laughs> you're left with this. He knew all the time? time they were here. Yeah. Like Grandpa just didn't seem to give two no. shits about anything that was going on. He was just like he was there. He was just he was just there in the in the scenes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know, I know. <laughs> um, and there's a great, very memorable fight uh, at the end at. At, at grandpa's house yeah. and uh, you find out vampires can die in all sorts of ways some go out silently some explode others make a racket uh, like when they they do get their fit uh, the frog brothers do get their first vampire kill in the the cave where they, they are all actually sleeping upside down at the roof of the cave i know that part <laughs> is so funny and um yeah uh Alex Winter goes down very loudly, <laughs> um, and it's a gr- great special effects yeah. uh, in the film. Lots of blood, yeah. uh, lots of 
great makeup effect when they kind of vamp out, which um, uh, I think Buffy the Vampire Slayer is kind of inspired by the look of the Lost Boys. I think when they 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 change. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. I would say yeah. You know, they get the, they get the bigger brow and and they 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 get a little more monstrous of a visage there. Yeah. But definitely um, not the. They don't die the same way in Buffy as they do in no. in, in uh, Lost Boys. Like even in the first, like the actual first Buffy, like the film with uh, Christy Swanson. Christy Swanson. Um, yeah. she just stabs them and they kind of fall over. They don't dust. They yeah. don't do anything. So it, it, it's I, I I still love the original Buffy film. It's just such a good movie. Like it's such a fun movie. And it it's a fun one, and it it, yeah. car- it definitely carries on from that that eighties sort of feel, um, mm-hmm. you know, with with uh, the campiness, but the the we're having fun with this. Like we're gonna have fun. Yeah. You're you're gonna be entertained as well as maybe there's gonna be a few jump scares, but nothing too heavy of a subject no, matter. It's- this was a this was a date movie for yeah sure. yeah <laughs> this and was it's it's not too scary it's a little bit gory it's a lot of uh dark humor um but um and it's it's the mtv crowd uh vampire film. yeah agreed and and i mean it's yeah it definitely is the mtv crowd for the 80s like these these films are definitely catered to that um so yeah that was uh lost boys yes it did produce two sequels that went straight to video yeah no we're not going to talk about that. no we're not <laughs> we really aren't uh and yeah that's it that's and the second uh, the second film was like the last appearance ever on, on screen of uh cory haim who unfortunately passed not too long after and i mean unfortunately they really heavily despect depicted his struggle uh, yeah. in uh, the the two Corys docu like the docu series for A and E, they really uh, they 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 didn't do they didn't no one helped him no one helped him at all no one was there to actually assist him in any way. Yeah. you know, but that's just like you know, it's a it's sad it's a sad story. And, yeah. and unfortunately, that's sort of what I tie in memory to this the second straight to video film. Well, hey, Hayden had passed away before no, those came out. Uh, right? No, uh, he yeah, it was just shortly after they wrapped shooting that he had passed um, oh. because he makes an appearance in the second one. Oh, did yeah, oh, okay. he makes an appearance and. I don't remember that. Yeah, Sam makes a final appearance in the second movie at the end of the second movie. And they sort okay. of hint at the fact that um one of the frog brothers, uh Edgar, I think it was Edgar, was was the not Corey. Uh, it wasn't Corey Feldman's character, it wasn't Edgar. Right. Um right. was the one that has succumbed to vampirism. Like he just and I think they visit that in the third movie, but I never watched the third movie. No, uh, me neither. But the second one was, it was okay. Like, I mean, it wasn't anything like, it wasn't supposed to be anything like the movies, like the the first movie, but, you know. Yeah, they took a more serious tone, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, they did. They, they, they kind of dropped the humor, which was unfortunate. Yeah. 
but you know for what uh for what it's worth like i mean we it's such a great movie and such a cult classic and i mean i think that's where we were sort of taken with in the 80s vampire films and and into the 90s where these cult classics that sort of stick you know and have their own following i mean it's the same thing with fright night like i i loved fright night and that was in that came out in 1985 yeah. And uh yeah, just before. directed by Tom Holland, not to be confused with Spider-Man Tom Holland. <laughs> no. Spider-Man Tom Holland was not born yet. Um uh, starring Chris Sarandon who was married to Susan Sarandon and that's how she kept her last name. Um, oh, I did know that. Yeah, they were married. Okay. And that's why she and um you have Roddy McDowell, William Ragsdale, Amanda Bierce. Uh, and Roddy McDowell is the vampire hunter in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the whole premise of Fright Night is um, it, it's almost um, they, they take a bit of a of a nod from Hitchcock's yeah. um, uh, film. Um, oh, what was that? Uh, Rear Window. Rear Window. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have this you have this uh, teenager who's noticing strange happenings at his neighbor's uh, house. Yeah, his um, newly moved in neighbor. Yeah, and he he sees what possibly is a uh, a murder uh through the window as as uh, as uh, this his neighbor like bites down on onto this uh girl's neck mm-hmm. and goes through the movie trying to prove it to his uh girlfriend and his uh his mom and his best friend. And yeah, um, and uh, it's 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 a bit of a homage to the old vampire films. It um, is, and but more so, they sort of treat uh, this version of vampires sort of like sharks. Like yeah, they have yeah. they have teeth that disappear. Like they don't pop out. Like they retract, and it's not like they're always there. You know. That it's yeah. it definitely is like that with with this uh, type of vampire, and also it still embraces the fact that Chris Sarandon's character is sort of like this um, very like you know sexual, like very alluring kind of uh, guy, you know, and, and that's how he lures in his victims. Yeah, he's uh, he's probably a little more of closer to a, a Dracula type. Mm-hmm character than um, Anne Rice's um, uh, sometimes an androgynous type vampire. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's more of a charmer ladies man. Yeah. Uh, and he he hunts in like clubs. Yes, he's a disco vampire. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, like I just every time I say disco, I think of uh, Edward's mom and she's from Argentina and that's what they call them there. Like she's like, I go to the disco. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, you mean a club, <laughs> a nightclub? She's like, yes, we call them discos. The disco tech from where I'm from. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, okay, yeah. That's but right. yeah, he was, he was, uh, he was using the nightclub scene of the '80s to his advantage, for sure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the so the film basically follows that premise of of trying to prove uh he's a vampire and no one's listening to him of course mm-hmm. and uh his best friend gets turned uh early into a vampire yeah early on 
Um, <laughs> who was that? You, the, the, that actor was pretty funny. Um, um, uh, the the best friend. I'm trying to think of his yeah, name right yeah. now. Um, Brewster. Stephen Joffrey's. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't remember seeing anything else, but um, uh, yeah, he had a memorable turn here. Yeah, no, and um, it's definitely yeah that that's what I know him for. Mm. Yeah. So no one is listening to poor uh, Charlie Brewster. No, is the lead, and so he sees um, he he watches this uh, show where it features a uh, uh, it's almost like a, a turn on like. Elvira is that yeah. this guy is, this in character vampire hunter is presenting tales of you know horror mm-hmm. like that. so um, Charlie being kind of naive <laughs> goes and seeks this guy out to try to you know get an expert on vampire uh, hunting yeah and he's not an expert he just is no he's pretending come on kids like, He's an actor kind of at the end of his career yep. and who's very much inspired by uh, uh, Vincent Price. Yeah. Um, Vincent Price in that was in a lot of uh, old, old horror films. And mm-hmm. uh, this character is very much inspired by that. Yeah. But um, uh, played by Roger McDowell, who's just wonderful in this. Yes, he is. And, and I mean, so memorable too. Like, <laughs> like that's the first thing I think of is Roddy McDowell is Fright Night. So, um, yeah, apparently that his character was conceived first, or the, uh, and then everything came out after. Yeah, yeah. I I can just see the pitch of that. Like, think of a, a an old television actor, like those of the the horror, like like the the move Fright Night movie of the week, the Friday night movie. And he's yeah. pretending to be a vampire, and he influences this young kid to call him. Basically, he's so believable, <laughs> and he has no clue, no like ability, but he's basically going to take what he's learned from a TV show and <laughs> apply it to hunting this vampire, basically. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, and and uh, I think it also introduces the fact that you can even turn someone back you all you have to do is kill this i think it also they do the same in lost boys where if you kill yeah. the fire you can like you can kill the king of you all end vampires. the bloodline yeah you end the bloodline yeah. and you everyone who's been turned can turn back to human again basically well they yeah in lost boys they think it's david yeah uh they think he's the head vampire and, and the it's big max. turnaround is like it's max the most unassuming character in the, the most, entire film the the dad the dad character with his, his <laughs> exactly his, his sweater vests and he's so <laughs> clean cut and you would never assume that this guy is like going around and turning kids local neighborhood yeah. kids and, and 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 feeding on people like yeah the unassuming guy yeah. And I think that's another thing that we see in the 80s is like these are totally unassuming people you would never expect. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And um, and they don't look at it. They don't, they don't look like it. They don't act like it. They don't show any of the sim- like the symptoms of being a vampire. And they can also chalk it up. Any symptoms they can hide away, basically. Yeah. They, he has regular skin color. And, and his name is 
vampire's name is Jerry. Yeah. What kind, yeah. <laughs> kind of vampire's name Jerry? You're never going to suspect the Jerry of the group to be a vampire. No. And um, Oh, Jerry. <laughs> it's Jerry. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and they they use a lot of the tropes from um, Stoker. Yeah. He has, he has hypnotism. He mm-hmm. has shape changing. Um, it's 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 all there. He has. Uh, I think he has strength. Yeah, he has. Yeah, super strength. strength. Yeah. yeah, you can't get away from being a vampire and not have super strength. Not right? have the strength. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on, please. Um, but yeah, it, um, and um, yeah, like just yeah, that whole like the, all the tropes, the holy water the fire the flaming crosses like the crosses work in the and i remember very well even from the remake like the crosses hanging everywhere yeah in the house to keep them out yeah and, and, uh, and that stakes work stakes work yep yeah sunlight um, works in he, killing them too yep and, and even um they you know they were taken right from the storyline of dracula um you know mina reminds uh dracula of a lost love and um uh, uh brewster's uh girlfriend reminds jerry of a lost love and yeah he goes to seduce her and and change her and she slowly makes that change much like mina yeah and ed ed kind of is kind of like a renfield type character after, yeah although here here he's actually changed um but uh, it all, yeah, it all ends up in in, in a big fight uh, in in the house as well. Um, yep, in the basement. In the basement, fantastic special effects. Yes. I loved loved the practical effects in this. Yeah. From Ed turning into the wolf and then you know being stabbed and turning back and, and uh, mm-hmm. oh man, the 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 faces of the, when they went like full vampire. Those, yeah, like you said, shark mouth. That was amazing look yeah yeah Yeah. and i i like what they did with this one where it's like shark mouth like i mean it's not your (laughs) your atypical vampire this is a guy who can retract his teeth and it's a full mouth of teeth it's not like just like two little things and they puncture yeah two small puncture rooms he's taking your head off (laughs) he's he's swallowing he's swallowing you whole basically and and that's what i like about this about fright night and i do like about the remake as well like i mean uh, the remake oh i like the remake yeah colin farrell like yeah who, colin who farrell better to play a vampire than colin farrell <laughs> yeah that was a good cast too david yeah. Tennant as the as the the rock star peter uh, vincent character that, yeah that yeah. we have yeah and and he's a stage magician in this mm-hmm. he's actually like yeah las vegas because it takes place in las vegas this time the right. the, the remake and it, it's easy to sort of explain these characters and and um mclovin plays the ed character oh i forgot he was in that. i yeah. just love calling him mclovin yeah. but yeah um he has a name <laughs> and uh the late uh, Anton Yeltsin as the uh, as Charlie Brewster. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. The remake is really um, it was, underrated. It is, I, and I, it was really well done. I, I yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I, it, it was, it was still funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was less campy funny, but it, it still had a, uh, a 
a good sense of humor to it. Yeah. Um, David Tennant was great in it. Um, the, the whole cast was really good in this. Yeah, yeah, it is, and and and, uh, yeah, it's just it's it's so good, and also um, the original Jerry makes an appearance in the remake. He's the guy that stops on the side of the road to help them out because they're being attacked by Jerry, like they're being pursued by Jerry. Yes, in his vampire form, (laughs) new Jerry, Colin Farrell. They're being pursued by him, and then old Jerry makes a stop on the side. I was like, "Hey, is everything okay?" And then he gets attacked, and you're like, "No." Jerry. Uh, oh but, man. Um, Christopher Mintz Platts. That's who played Ed. Mick Levin oh. is Christopher Mintz Platts. But yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's all we remember him as, and also in Kick Ass. Kick Ass. Yeah. Oh, I'll remember that as uh, as well. Um. So yeah, Fright Night. Fright Night also spawned the sequel. I do remember seeing the sequel, but I couldn't tell you any of the plot even. Yeah. No, and neither could I. I really wouldn't be able to tell you, and because you had said earlier that. Oh, I even forgot there was a sequel. There was a Fright Night too uh, before the yeah. remake. Yeah, you know, and it, it isn't as memorable as the first one. But Roddy McDowell makes a second appearance in it as well, so he he continues with his Peter Vincent character. Oh, that might be worth seeing again. Then. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Like, I will have to revisit it for sure. And that brings us to the end of Vampires Part Three which delved into the 80s. Next time, we'll be looking into the 90s and focusing on some of our favorite vampire films of that decade. And a lot of prominent ones will be in that one. This will most likely be split into two, however. First part, be covering theatrical releases. Second part, we'll be going a bit into television series and see what the small screen has to offer for vampires. Anyways, until next time, I'm David Schmidt, and thanks for listening to May Contain Violence.